Were you ever on a sports team? One of the key components to a team being successful is that all the members on the team work together for their common good, utilizing each other's strengths and covering their weaknesses. They are united by their shared goal of winning the game and being the best in the league. The same mindset is what should be utilized in the church. We are on the same team, God's team, and we have the ultimate goal of reaching the loss and making earth like heaven. Love amongst the brethren should be strong despite the differences between us as individuals. Even though we might not agree on everything, the one thing we do agree is that Jesus is Lord. For that, we are family. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to another exciting episode of the Paradigm Switch podcast with our hosts, Avon and Alex. We seek to encourage our heavenly family in Christ to renew their minds and to think right side up. The key to victory is knowledge, and it is our hope that through sharing our personal testimonies, struggles, and triumphs, it will help you continue your walk with Christ. The Bible says we are new creatures in Christ, but in order for us to emerge anew, we first have to think anew. Enjoy the episode. Well, hello, everybody. You're listening to the Paradigm Switch podcast. We are the number one Christian podcast on earth, and we are heaven's favorite podcasters. I am one of the co-hosts here, Avon, and I'm here with my co-host, Alex. Hello, everybody. And um, I just want to encourage our listeners out there, please follow us on Facebook, on Instagram, like, follow, and share. That way you can stay updated on what's going on in future episodes, um, get information on past episodes, and you know this is your way to reach out to us, and if you have any um, comments or suggestions that you want to send our way, you can send us a message via those platforms, and please subscribe to us on all or any of the podcast listening platforms you might utilize iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple um, Podcasts, whichever one you use, because we're, I think we're on close to all of them out there. So, mm-hmm. but anyways, today we have an exciting episode talking about brotherly love within the church, because this month in February, we've kind of been hitting on the theme of love and seeing love on in different aspects. We've already covered loving ourselves and knowing our worth in God. And then we kind of, we talked about how to love our enemies and how to love our enemies because the Bible says to love our enemies. And so today we want to talk about brotherly love amongst the brethren amongst the brethren in the, in the church. And I don't know, does your church really talk about brotherly love amongst each other a lot? Uh, that is a good question. Um, I don't know if this is a super focused on topic and you know, it's, um, I mean, obviously we, we, do teach about we don't want chaos with with other believers right yeah. like we don't want to be um at each other's throats but i don't know if i can remember a sermon where we focused specifically on this topic and that was the main focus of the discussion yeah because i was thinking about this you know our audience knows i do i do martial arts and so one of the reasons why i like this gym compared to some of the other gyms that i have visited is the camaraderie, the team spirit that we have there in helping each other and helping each other grow. And we have each other's backs, especially those on the fight team. Um, We have each other's backs where if someone, let's say, is visiting or like a foreigner, not foreigner in a sense of like foreign to the gym, that they're coming in to visit, we have each other's back if there's ever a problem. And there's a team camaraderie because we all have the ultimate goal to see each other grow see each other win and see each other basically just be the best that the you know pull out the best potential that's within us and it had me thinking you know the same mindset of teamwork and team spirit needs to be within the church you know in our local churches amongst the brethren is just this team com- team camaraderie is that how you say it? am i saying it properly camaraderie camaraderie yeah camaraderie camaraderie so, camaraderie yeah sometimes i get tongue tied uh, tongue tied and so, uh, right there. see, like <laughs> right there. And so, but what has been your experience when relating to fellow believers? What what has been your experience? Well, I think most of the time it's been really positive and, it, you know, it's really wonderful to be able to talk to fellow brothers and sisters in the faith or people who understand the truth and they're trying to live a similar lifestyle as I am. And, you know, there's not 
ridicule or attempts to humiliate the other person for do, uh, believing what they believe and living the way they're living. It's nice to be able to discuss scriptures together and gain new perspectives on, on certain passages. Though I will say, uh, on some occasions, I have met those who profess to be Christians, uh, but they cause strife over doctrinal differences. And, and I can tell you, you know, in the past, I've been unfortunately drawn into arguments about doctrinal differences. There have even been dissolutions of relationships and, you know, that, that, that this has occurred over because of this reason, um, you know, whether, whether it is the, the, denomination is so important to the individual that they consider it to be unequally yoked to be with somebody of another denomination or whether there is a person who is so legalistic whereas i'm not and, and this is just not uh on the same wavelength of, of the faith uh and so these things cause tension uh and i think unfortunately this is uh one of the reasons why the church is where it is at today at least in this country what with there not being like a, a really united with all of each other the way it, it should probably be. And, you know, I think the very statement about churches being in not in unity necessarily with each other opens up conflict between different denominations in and of itself. Because, you know, I have been told uh, by one certain denomination that there is another certain group of denominations that have caused all the chaos due to a certain event back yeah. a few hundred years ago and it's just opens up a can of worms i suppose but really that has uh, come up sometimes yeah our goal is not to try to break down these denomina denominational conflict barriers we're just trying to how you know give little tips and insight on how to maintain and develop brotherly love amongst your brethren in the church or even the other christians that you might run into at the workplace and i'll say my experience when relating to other christians is it's been weird i feel you know and we have to do an episode on pastor kids for me to really go in depth with this because if the audience doesn't remember i'm a pastor's kid and that's a very interesting unique position to be in I, I've learned fairly quickly and sadly through hard experiences that being in the role of a pastor's kid, that I couldn't get too close with members at the church, um, the same church, like that my parents are running and operating. People, some of them, yeah. some of them who would be my same age would be very vindictive or manipulative and just not showing me the God kind of love in a loving way. And there's one situation that I remember when I was about 14 years old, I had grew close to, there was a person near my age and I grew really close to this church member. And because of personal problems and other issues of the status I had within the church turned on me and like stopped, you know, stopped talking to me. And, you know, as a teenager, you know, that hurts you when someone doesn't talk to you because you feel like an outcast and you're not fitting in and all that kind of stuff as they're passing. I mean, I think that might still hurt you as an adult too. True. But I think I can handle it a little bit differently. You know, as back then, mm -hmm. as a, as a teenager, you know, the wounds actually maybe, yeah, the wounds get really, you know, it's more of a, oh, that was a fresh cut. I've never experienced yeah. a wounding like that before. So, you know, cause you never think in the church world, you would experience that school. Yes. But I thought, Oh, we're both Christians. We're both going to church. You know, we could be friends. But no, that didn't that didn't happen. And so I remember in school, I had to pray that God would give me a friend who was a Christian because, you know, majority in school, you're like I was the only Christian there. You know, people would call me church boy all the time because, you know, a lot of them weren't really committed children, you know, Christians. And, you know, there was a season that God gave me a good Christian friend in high school who was really nice. And now in my adulthood, I have a couple of friends who are Christians such as Alex that I turn and lean on um, during hard times in my life. And I feel as though being in the role that I am, it's hard sometimes to connect with people at the same church just because of examples, like I just said, of different hurts and wounds. And sometimes like just to give a little piggyback on some of the, the cuts and the wounds that what happened, some people would use me to get insight into my parents, to try to get gossip or information on my parents or try to use me to because you know to try to befriend me so like the, the family can get in and then try to get to my parents so they can you know look good with the pastor or like rub elbows with the pastor and family to elevate themselves and like to get a new position and all that kind of stuff so it was like they weren't really interested in me they were just using me so i've had that kind of experience you know 
it it's it's sorry just to interject here it's it's kind of the way you're describing this it sounds bad it sounds yeah. like politics almost <laughs> the same ugliness the same using of people the same trying to elevate one's status slash influence in the organizational structure i mean that's I don't know. It might turn off any unbelievers who might be listening. To this, well, you know, there's a, there's a difference. I think the, the I think the thing that's interesting about our podcast is that you and I both come from different positions in different types of churches. I come from a that's more true. traditional Pentecostal leadership position, while you come as a regular member from a non-denominational background. So I see things and experiencing from a different perspective than you have, than you would never know. Yes. And sadly. Sadly, and this isn't just to Pentecostal churches. This happens to all churches because I've had conversations with other pastor kids and other, you know, people in leaderships in different types of churches that there is sadly a political game that goes on within leadership and people who want a status in some kind of seat of power. Their intentions really being in the church and working in the church is not really, not everyone is like this, but some don't really have holy purposes. In. <laughs> oh, so so you know, these may be not even be real believers. Then they could be uh, some of them. Fox I do question Christians. some of them. I do question yeah. uh, whether Christ they were Christians in name only. Yeah, Those that they people. were actually some of them. I actually think they were literally sent from the devil to stir up strife and like you mentioned earlier to stir up strife and problems because obviously the devil doesn't want it the church be. to be united because if we were united, no, then we can progress and do a lot more things. So the the best way to stop. The you know, unification is to break it up within. So, yeah. And going back to your point about not really being able to find friends at, at your church. So, this I can understand uh, because I, as you remember, was a resident advisor at college mm -hmm. for most of my college years. And as a, you're in a leadership position, right? So, they're, they're by definition, has to be some amount of distance between yourself and those people who are looking to you for that leadership. Um, they're, they're not really your peers at that point anymore, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's very hard to form deep, solid friendships. And maybe, honestly, it might not even be advisable because then you could become a compromise when you have to make decisions. So it's, instead, you know, the pool is you're looking for people who are your peers who who define those big, deep level friendships with, or, or in your case, people outside the church entirely, because I think your church is a lot smaller than mine is. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's less opportunity to find people in that similar level that, that you are in. Um, but I understand this because when I was an RA, you know, I couldn't, I, I didn't think it was proper to form deep friendships with any of my residents who, mm -hmm. you know, were under... Uh, people who I were res was responsible for, um, and instead I needed to look to my fellow RAs or uh, totally outside, you know, all of that structure entirely. Yeah. When I was in college, so I get it. Yeah. So, so we're gonna let's just jump in and talk about how do we show brotherly love amongst the brethren, and okay. so I think, uh, yeah, let's let's talk about this topic. How how do we show love uh, to our brethren? And I think. We should start with the basics, and that's just have a conversation with them. Get get to know them. Like, I mean, that's the basic building block of how to form a relationship. You know, right I found that I don't, well, at least the not just my church that I've seen, even some of my other friends who are Christians, like serious, born-again Christians, like, they don't have that many friends in their church in their churches like they don't have that many christian friends to hang out with which is kind of interesting because when i look at the majority of my friends um i only have maybe a hand-picked you know about of like christian friends that i have that are within my circle that you know that i see regularly communicate with regularly and i don't know if it should really be that way like i, I feel like the balance is i actually have more quote-unquote worldly friends than i have christian friends and i don't know if that's biblical or if that's right. I mean, I, I think that quality is more important than quantity mm -hmm. when it comes to these things, because we are supposed to engage with, you know, people who are not safe. We're supposed to, you know, try to influence them for Christ. But I think the difference is who are your deepest friendships with? 
Are they with your fellow believers or are they with your unbelieving friends? If they're with your unbelieving friends, that might be a bit of a problem. Yeah. Uh, But if they're with your believing friends, then, you know, what does it matter if you have, at least I think, what does it matter if you have only two or three, if you can really, really solidly depend on them and they are on the same wavelength with you, quality over quantity. I mean, I don't have a huge circle of uh, deep, christian friends either like yeah. who i'm like really close with there's uh a few but one one of whom is you of course but it's not like there's dozens of them <laughs> that's true that's true and i will say like i know who to go to when i need advice like i don't go to my quote-unquote worldly friends for right. advice they're gonna give you worldly advice yeah, yeah i know who to properly wrong go to. thing Exactly. Yeah, I know yeah. who to really turn to. I think that's a good point. It is quality over quantity. So you talked about just saying, like, just have a conversation and get to know people. You know, I like I said, yeah. like, I know some people, they literally like coming to church, listen to the choir, listen to the sermon, and then they're gone. Like, they don't want to socialize. They don't want to get to know their fellow church member, their fellow saint, which I believe is a critical piece in the faith walk. And I know I've said that we need to be, I know I've said, I know I'm going to say, plead guilty. I have said that we need to be independently dependent. And what I mean is by that you stand on your faith is not based on other people, but we need to be open to fellowship with saints and other believers. Personally, I feel like we need to be open to establish that line of communication because it will help you. Like it can help you because there's been times when I wouldn't say I'm like about to jump off a cliff, but like I've been on the edge where I've reached out to people like Alex who have helped me and been an encouragement to me. Yeah. yeah. And Avon has been that for me as well. So uh, I think it is important, you know, to to find friends and and to make connections. And, you know, it can be really hard to have these kinds of conversations, right? And there's a a number of things. So, uh, and I can talk about this uh, personally. So despite what some people have said to me in recent days, I am in fact naturally introverted. Right. So it is uh, makes me rather uncomfortable to just approach groups of random people that I don't know and just introduce myself. Uh, And I'm more apt to do that on a one on one kind of level. Right. So that's a little bit more comfortable for me. Uh, Some people might just be shy uh, and their natural disposition is they're not going to make that first initial communication because they're, they're just not comfortable with that type of social interaction. They're going to wait for somebody to come and approach them. And I think that might be the case for a lot of people, especially if they're naturally introverted. And I think at a large church, especially, this is uh, one of the challenges because if you're an introvert and you're shy and you're at a large church, there's all these groups of people and they seem to already all know each other. And it's really intimidating trying to approach uh, some of these groups, especially if the welcoming is not what it should be. And and I have seen this before. You'll have groups of, you know, they're all believers. They're they're living their lives for Christ, but unfortunately they have allowed a kind of cliquish mentality to form. And so they're not necessarily as welcoming uh, to the new person, or uh, they might not even realize there is a new person because they're so mm-hmm. um, caught up in, in catching up with each other. Right. And, so that, how do we how do we stop that as a Christian? Because I will say even not I would say my church is small. So at the moment, but I mean it just naturally happens. I mean you just become used to like the certain people who've been there, and you just form a group. How do we as Christians block or make sure there is no um, clickish behavior to happen? I don't know if that if there's even a way to stop it. Like I think it's gotta be uh, you. You're gonna have to put yourself out there if you see someone sitting by themselves mm. strike up a conversation so I, I think be it's, uh, it's active in your love walk. on you i think so i think so i don't i don't think it's necessarily the natural thing either right mm-hmm. because we as humans we want to do what's comfortable um but i but i think it is you know important if we have that group if we're part of that group we probably ought to make an effort to reach out to other people right so and and make sure that they feel like they're welcomed in the, in the church. Um, and that leads me up to a, another thing, uh, though, for why a person might just go to church and be there and not really engage with anybody else. And it could be that that person 
has been judged previously by other believers. And so they know that being in the Lord's house and worshiping him and hearing his word is important, but they think the others there are not really genuine, like they're kind of hypocritical or they're holier than thou attitude. Mm-hmm. And thus these individuals stay aloof because going to church is about honoring God and hearing from God. And it's not about engaging in exhausting social interactions with people who are not particularly pleasant to be around, or at least that's the perception. Now, okay. So when I hear you say that, which is, it can happen that, you know, maybe the people at a current church might have that attitude, but it could be you just having an attitude as well, you know, you know, yes. you should you should come to church with an open heart and a willing heart to embrace people as they are. I think sometimes we come to church with high expectations of people, too high expectations of people, of making of thinking like assuming they need to be perfect. Like you know, they come to church just feeling as though I feel as though everyone at church should be perfect. But you know, everyone at church is not perfect. That's why they are there. They are trying to change. They are trying to get rid of bad behaviors, which whatever it might be. And so I think we have to have a heart in a mindset that says already going to whatever kind of church, whether it's big or large. I mean, it's big or small. That already says that you know these people here are not perfect, but they're yeah. my brothers and sisters in Christ. And whatever in it is, whether you are within the church for a while and you see a new person or vice versa, you're the new person trying to come in. You just already should have the mindset that just says like, nobody's perfect. And I need to be not so much be prepared, but just already be of the mindset. I'm going to need to forgive. Just like when you have a relationship with anyone, you have to have the mindset of they're going to accidentally hurt me and I need to be able to forgive and move on. I think sometimes we come to church with so high of expectations, acting as though everyone should be perfect and no one should ever hurt our feelings. Well, that's impossible because we're still here on the earth where we are still able to make mistakes. Yeah, and and I think if if you are the person who is aloof, you know there is a responsibility to you to not hold sins of other people that they might have done to you mm-hmm. at like some other church, for example, against all the members at a different church. Yeah, you know it's. One, the, the, the hurt and potentially the trauma that was inflicted upon you previously, you cannot hold what that group of people did to all people who say that they're Christians, right? Like, that's that's wrong. You wouldn't hold the sins of a father against the son. You shouldn't hold the sins of one uh, group of church members against all the other groups of church members. Uh, and so I think it's it's... It's incumbent upon us as believers who are already established at a church to be welcoming to new believers, but the new believers also have a responsibility to engage and, as well. And, and to connect they themselves. Shouldn't, they, they shouldn't just reject everybody and reject any kind of social interaction because and why that's that it makes it much more difficult, I think, to maintain your faith walk on your own mm-hmm. than when you have other uh, fellow brothers and sisters that can help you encourage you during a challenging time. Um, you're more, at least in my experience, more prone to fall into temptation if you're trying to do this by yourself than if you're doing this as part of the team, so to speak. Exactly. And it kind of goes into our next point of being able to stand by your brother and really, you know, have each other, have the mindset of, I got your back. Like I, like I mentioned before about my fight team, we have each other's back. We have each other's back where, you know, we're going to stand by you if anything comes up. Or like one of my teammates was fighting for his his belt, like his title belt. And I had his back, even though I wasn't fighting myself, even though I wasn't going through that, I had his back and I was going to stand by his side for what he was going through. And I was going to be there to support him. And we need to have that same kind of mentality for our brothers and sisters in Christ of I'm going to stand by you and I have your back. It's us, not so much us against the world, but like in a situation, just know, like, you know, I got your back no matter what. And I'll say in my adult life so far, even when I was in college and high school, I have always made it up in my mind to always to just always have a fellow saints back and support them no matter what like especially in the midst of unbelievers you know what i'm trying to say like in the midst of unbelievers i'm going to support and have my fellow brethren's back and not make them feel like they're on their own i'm always going to have right. their back and i think we need to have that um 
that that mentality. And I'm speaking of those people who are dedicated and serious about their faith, not just like a religious person, but like a real dedicated Christian. Like you mentioned, you know, I'll reach out to them. I will introduce myself and all that kind of stuff, standing and having their back. I don't know if you have that same mentality with your fellow brothers and sisters who might be in the workplace or wherever you might go, just having that camaraderie that's like, I got your back no matter what. Yeah, I've actually never had a fellow believer in the workplace. I've always been the only believer there, um, unfortunately. I guess that's just the reality of my field. Mm -hmm. That's that's what it is. But no, I think this is important. And, you know, if a believer, fellow believer is being ridiculed and and humiliated, you know, I'm going to stand up for them. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't want them like on their own. And, And you know what? If I'm if I'm too ashamed of my faith to step in there and support someone else's like uh, can i call myself christian like oh that's uh, there's scripture there's scriptures that says if if you deny me if jesus is saying this if you deny me before men i'm going to deny you to the father and when i was younger and newer to the faith in, in college when i had just been you know at the end of my teens my early 20s I was nowhere near as bold i think as i am today i would have been one of those people who would have Unfortunately, um, I would have not tried to actively go against the crowd if they were ridiculing the believer, but I would have come in afterward mm-hmm. and tried to build that believer back up. But today, no, I'm going to go in there and be like, guys, just go away. Like, this is not right. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm a believer too. This, this is ridiculous what you're doing. So, you know, and, and that verse, though, if you deny me before men i will deny you but for my father i mean that just has really stuck in me mm-hmm. like for like all it's always going to stick in me that is so important like we as a believer we're supposed to be the ambassadors of christ so when we see our fellow brothers and sisters having difficulty it is incumbent upon us to stand with them and not allow uh, them to be just hanging out there on, that- uh, alone i mean that's not the way we should be I like that you brought that up from a perspective of them being, quote unquote, harassed because they are Christians, because my mindset was wasn't that I'll get to what I was thinking. But that is true. If you see a fellow brothers and sisters going down, you know, for for their faith, I don't know. I, I think it's important to stand up and be there with them to give them support as well and be there with them during the hard times. You know, during the book of Acts, they all stood by each other when they were all going through persecutions. They didn't see persecution as an individual problem. They saw persecution as this is a collective issue. When I got one brother going down, you're attacking all of us. Like, yeah. you know, because next, next week, because next week, that could be me. Because yeah. that's they how come, they, they come for him first because he's more vocal. And then they're gonna come for me, be me next, mm-hmm. right? That's that's how this that's how this works. That's how tyranny works too. This is how all persecution works. And so that is why it is really important that we stand together yeah. uh, to dur- during these times. Because I'll tell you this: these people who want to persecute, I think if the believers are standing together, and there's a lot of them. It's going to discourage these enemies of us who want to persecute us. It's going to make them be like, oh, maybe I'm uh, maybe I'm the person who is, you know, on the wrong side here. Yeah. And that can stay their hand or it can, you know, allow reform. But 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 if you're if we're not willing to stand up for our fellow believers. Yeah. When they are mistreated and persecuted. uh. A, this is just this says something about a lack of faith for us, I think. And B, I think we're just opening persecution for us next. Exactly. Si- silence is not gonna help. It's just not. So um when I when I asked this question originally, what I was thinking of was having your brother or sister's back if they are like just being picked on because they're quote unquote weird or like people don't really care for them because of their personality. Because I was thinking of a situation where at my job, there was a young lady. She was, her personality was interesting. (laughs) She was a little quirky. She was a little interesting and all that kind of stuff. But, and I remember people really didn't really mesh with her too well. Didn't really get along with her too well. And I mean, I was nice to her, but once I found out she was a fellow believer, not just like a church goer on Sunday, like she was a believer. She was telling me how she reads the word, how she prays, how she listens to sermons, reads books. Like she was a dedicated student 
of the word. And when I saw that, oh, this is like a serious believe her, I had her back. Like, even though she was, quote unquote, interesting or weird, I made it known like, oh, I'm not talking about her behind her back because I'm not going to do my sister like that. She's my sister in Christ and I have her back like so that she knows so that people know a Christian protects a fellow Christian. And I think the world needs to see that same kind of love and same unity because so many people in the world, they think Christians just have fighting between each other and there's infighting and there's drama and there's all this kind of stuff and they don't stand by each other and everything. But I think it's time that Christians really have that love and support where we are in those workplaces or at the gym or wherever we are in the school or at college, where if you find that fellow brother and sister, maybe they might have a personality that's not your cup of tea because she definitely was of an interesting brand. A little quirky. She was a little out there, but I made it known that she, I had her back when we had like a barbecue for the company, like company barbecues or like company little lunches and stuff. I, even though she would sit by, I would go and be with her. I would communicate with her so that people would know like, Oh, Avon's a believer. She's a believer. They got each other's back. And then I didn't want her as a fellow believer knowing I'm a believer too, just leaving her out there. Like, I, I don't yeah. know, that felt really important to me that she knew and had me there just just as a person who had her back. That was just something that was really yeah. important to me. And I think us as Christians, we're supposed to love everybody, but there, there's, I feel like because we're family, we're Christian family, there should be something that's a little bit more um, important or valued that you reach out to your fellow brother, brother and sisters, it doesn't even matter their personality or whatever, just because you know that they are uh, a believer in Jesus like you, you should already reach out and just be, be a, be a light to them and just show love. I don't know. I don't know how you feel about that, but I don't know. That's just something really um, I don't, important I, to I me. I mean, I think it, yeah, I think it's valuable that we show that same kind of effort to, to both groups, but I, I understand, you know, there is sort of this feeling of, more emphasis on you know reaching out to our to our brothers and sisters when things are but you know i think god views everybody as equally valuable right yeah. so i i think he probably wants us to uh be be the same in terms of loving you know both our fellow believers and people who are not uh in the faith um but then, then there's one other thing that occurs to me while we're talking about having each other's backs and and this is going to be if a believer who's your friend is ready to come to you and needs encouragement for something, I think it's important that we are there mm -hmm. to, to listen and be that support for our fellow believers. Okay. Right. Because I mean, if that's what family does, family supports each other through hard times. So if there's like an emotional trauma or there's some other problem that is occurring, you know, we, we, I think it is a responsibility for us if we have the means to try and support that person as best we can. I don't, I don't mean, you know, we don't necessarily, the, the way that looks is different, right? So mm -hmm. sometimes it might just be an ear to hear and some encouragement at the time. Maybe the Lord puts it on your heart to do more. I don't know what that looks like, but I think, uh, you, you know, you want to show them that they're not alone in this walk with God, right? Because they're not. That's true. You know, we got to be there for our brothers and sisters when you see, or even if you know that they're going through a hard time and everything, um, just to reach out. Now, um, I agree with that, but like you, you said, and it makes me think of kind of what leads into the next point is that it might look differently in different situations. There's a, there's a word that I remember um, years ago that my mom taught us. Uh, about edification. Most people, when they think about edification, they think about like encouraging and that it's going to be something positive that you're going to say only quote unquote good things. But sometimes in edification or encouraging your brother and sister, you have to correct them to get them back online, to get them back on track and doing the right thing. I think true love calls out your brother or sister when they are doing something wrong. Love corrects. It doesn't doesn't let someone settle in doing wrong behavior. Now there is a difference between condemning someone and encouraging them to relinquish doing a sin and kind of giving them conviction. I think there's a difference. I don't know how you feel. Yeah. About it. Yeah. No, there is a difference. And I know, you know, you were right. Uh, at a certain point when we are, you know, in strong or 
relationships with our brothers and sisters, I think this is the time where if one of them is struggling with sin, this is as a friend, as a fellow believer, this is where we can, you know, uh, encourage them that, you know, I, I noticed that you're going through this, this, uh, whatever situation it is. And I've, I've started to see, you know, that these kinds of things you're doing, they're concerning me as, as a fellow believer, you know, is there anything I can do to, to help? But I mean, there is, there's a way to go about this that is better than okay. the alternatives. And there are going to be some people, and, and I think this is very unhelpful, by the way, just full disclosure. There are going to be people who say, you are bad. You're doing this. You're doing that. Don't you know that you're going to go to hell if you do this? Yeah. Stop it. Yeah. yeah no, this is not, this is not the, fi the fire and brimstone approach. This is not a productive way, in my opinion, in my experience, to approach these types of conversations. Uh, it needs to be, I think, a little more empathetic, hopefully, hopefully, if you can. Uh, mm -hmm. if that person is struggling with something you have no idea about because it's never even tempted you at all. So for me, uh, alcoholism is one of these, you know, kinds of things I would probably have a little bit of more challenge trying to connect with a person over simply because I am absolutely not tempted to even do that. Um, for, for that, I think it's about listening and then it's about possibly trying to get resources if the person is receptive to that, but, but, but remember something, this person want has to want to accept the help yeah. that you're offering. And if, if they just spit back at you and, and push back on you when you talk to them in a loving tone, as you should, when you're discussing maybe some of the, the mistakes that they are making, uh, you know, then I think it's like, I, think I did what I, I needed to, but it's that person's choice. I think you have to are. gauge a situation because I'm more of a straightforward person. I I've worked, I've, I've been working on it on being a little bit more, um, saying things with a little bit more of a cushion, but some people really need to hear like a straightforward, like what you are doing is not acceptable Christian behavior. It is not yeah, acceptable yeah. for you to be out sleeping around. Like that is not Christian, good Christian behavior. You need to work with the Holy Ghost and we need to pray about it. And you, you know, like you, like just full on direct attack. Now I don't suggest this walking up to random Joey who you've never converse, had a conversation with and just walking up and say, Oh, I heard that you do this, this and that, and you need to stop it. No, I think you need to have a relationship. This is why it's important to have a relationship with your brothers and sisters in the church so that when you hear them doing such behaviors, you already kind of have that baseline like friendship or whatever, where you can say, Hey, Alex, I see you slipping. Like, I see you slipping. We need to pray about this. Like I'm trying to help you as a brother and a friend. And I will say from a position of leadership, what I have seen is that a lot of people don't like taking correction. You can say things super nice, you can say it with some candy and a cake as you're trying to encourage them and help them out of their problems and stuff, and they still get offended and they don't want to take correction. What do you say yeah, is the problem at that why, point? Well, I mean, I, I think it's a pride problem mm -hmm. uh, in the vast majority of cases. I mean, they don't, they don't want to admit that they have a problem because if they do, it makes them seem weak or shameful. And then maybe there's a fear of how can anyone ever accept them or take them seriously as a believer then. Uh, so they decide their problem is not as serious as it is, and they lash out at others trying to point out where that sin is going to take them. And, or alternatively, it could be that the flesh is a problem. And I know I've said this on this show before, that if you enjoy your sin you're just not, you're not going to stop you might feel convicted over it but you're just not going to stop I, at least this has been my experience yeah. in, in the past you know it, it takes a real uh paradigm switch in your thinking to be able to view your sin as thoroughly disgusting as like like yeah like god does and you know it, at least in in personally it has been if that if somebody enjoys the pleasure they derive from this illicit act they're going to continue in that until one of two things happen. Either they can no longer continue in that sin because their circumstances change, whether in, in, in a sexual sin, maybe this is they move away, mm -hmm. and so they can't engage in that kind of sexual relationship with the partner anymore. Or maybe something really traumatic happens 
which makes them realize how dangerous this sin really was. So if their uh, person gets an STD yeah. in that situation, um, and I don't want it to get to that point, but sometimes people have to learn the hard way. No, I, I get it. And you know, I, you know, when you say that whole thing, actually, that's probably been one of the best advice you've ever said. Cause you know, when I feel tempted in certain areas, I actually think about that. You'll never overcome the sin you enjoy. You know, that whole sentiment has actually helped me a lot. I've um, thought about that a lot. You know, it's, it's true. And I think, you know, as a person who, as a person, so our audience can hear this, if you might be the person receiving, you know, the correction, know that your brother is actually showing you love. It's love to show you the right way. It's love to show you or to tell you like, hey, you know, I really do love you. And I'm trying to tell you like going down this road is not good for you. Now I will, um, it just came to me now. I know it's not in our notes, but I think us as believers um, with fellow brothers and sisters, we need to break down our judgmental habits and thinking certain sins are worse than others, where it's like, oh, if I hear about sin over this sin, like I can accept you, but I can hear about this sin over here. Like, no, we need to not be judgmental. We all come from all walks of life. We all have different problems and issues and all that kind of stuff. But the amazing thing is that we all have the same Savior who died for all of us. And we need to have that mentality to not judge one another if we have a brother and sister that comes up to us and says, hey, I'm really struggling in this area. Like, you need to show love and not judge that person and really be a support to help them. And I know it might you might not know what to do, but just already have that mentality of I'm not going to judge you on your sin because if because at least in my mind the way I see it, if Jesus died for you, who am I to judge you for it? Hmm. That's how uh, I see. So it. that actually that fits into the next point I was going to bring up, which is uh, people are going to be like, no, there's that that scripture that says take the speck out of the don't take the speck out of the other person's eye until you pull the plank out of yours. But I, I think it's important when it comes to this idea of discussing somebody's sin if they're struggling as fellow believer versus judging. There is a, a difference because as James 5, 19 through 20 says, uh, my brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the air of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. And Matthew 18 tells us in uh, verse 15, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you've won them over. So it there is scripture that does tell us we should be holding people who are supposed to genuinely be in the faith accountable for when they're going off track. Yeah. And that, uh, but but it gives us guidelines of how to do this. We should not publicly shame them. We should not publicly embarrass them. It says uh, in Matthew, uh, just between the two of you. Mm -hmm. So this should be done behind closed doors, just between the two of you. You should not be talking about this. You should not be gossiping about this, which is another point we will make very shortly. Uh, but it is incumbent upon us if we have uh, our close friends with if a believer or family members even that that we can and we we do have this responsibility to to help them when they're struggling that does not mean we should be saying they're going to hell uh for whatever it is they're doing and and come mm -hmm. at it from this holier than thou place which i think is what the point is when jesus says take the board out of your own eye before the speck in your neighbor's uh, because, and the other thing that that could also mean is if you are struggling with that same sin, you should not be coming from a, I don't think you should be coming from a place of, oh, you're doing this and it's really wrong, but then I'm doing this too. And it just, well, to I'm me, I'm going to call you out on that. To That's me, even critical if, and shouldn't do that. To me, even if it's the same sin, my thing is sin is sin. So if I'm still struggling with sin, like my problems I shouldn't look, you know, try to, you know, have this pious attitude of thinking I know it all. It should right, be more right. of a place of humility that says, hey, brother, like, I've been there. I understand. Like, I know what it's like. I know what it's yeah. like to feel this way. Like, uh, actually, the other day, I was helping one of my Christian friends who was going through rejection and everything. And so, like, I was... I told him like, hey, I know what it feels like to be rejected. I know what it feels like to feel as though you're not you know, good enough and all that kind of stuff and how that can lead to bad behavior. So like, 
even to this day, I still experience those kind of emotions and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, I'm not coming from an attitude of like, you know, I know it all or anything like that. It's coming from a place of humility of like, I've been there, done that. So let me encourage you because I want to see you do better as well. And alongside with that, when you have your fellow brother and sister like vent to you or share with you something that they're struggling with, a way to show brotherly love is like what you mentioned, which is a huge problem that I have seen in the church yeah, or at least heard about. It's gossiping. It's gossiping. Yeah. And gossip is defined as idle talk or rumor, especially about the person or, or a, about a personal or private affair of another. And saints should not be spreading gossip, negative talk about other saints amongst the church. This is where things like, quote unquote, church hurts. I don't know if you've ever heard that terminology. Have you? Church hurts? You've mentioned this before. I've mentioned it. But yeah. Yeah. This is where like church hurts come from. And when someone who put their faith in a fellow believer and they use their vulnerability to manipulate and spread it amongst other saints is like awful. And the way they kind of yeah. on the way they kind of mask it is like saying this lie of, oh, I'm only sharing this so like we can pray about it. But, you know, God really sees your heart and your intentions that you're not really trying to help that person. You're just spreading gossip to one, make them look bad and embarrass them. And then I don't know what I don't know why you would do that, but some people just have evil intentions in spreading gossip. And it should never be amongst the church of spreading people, people's personal and private affairs that they share with you probably coming to you as a friend to share, you know, to just seek help with. Let me, let me ask you a question here, because this would be a, a good challenge. So okay. what if you are struggling with this other individual and you're aware of their, their dirty laundry mm-hmm. and you are really angry and you really need to talk about your own hurt and your own feelings from this individual. So you go to your really close friend and you're like, Avon, I have had this situation with so-and-so. This uh-huh. person is just making me so mad. They're doing X, they're doing Y. And meanwhile, this guy, he's doing all of these bad things, blah, 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 blah. So you're saying, and I'm I having just, a problem with a saint, and then I go to another I'm saint to try to... I problem. What do I do? Um, I get what you're that, saying. That, do you think this is... A, do you think this is gossip? Because this is not really about making the other person look bad. I think gossip has to, to unburden yourself. I think gossip has to do with the intention. Like the intention yeah. was the intention really to hurt somebody, or were you really trying to seek help for yourself to get back in alignment because someone else has shaken you up? I don't think that's. Um, I don't think that is gossip if it's done with the right intention. Like so-and-so is like really ruffling my feathers. God sees your heart and all that kind of stuff. And then you know who to go to who's not going to be spreading that at the same time. I think I think you and I have right. talked about this offline. We know which friend to go to when we're seeking certain advice. You know who's going to say something. Yes. You know who's going to stir the pot. You know these kind of things. So you know who's going to say what, who's going to do what, all that kind of stuff. So you already know. So I think it's based on your intentions. What is your intentions, really? So I don't think that's gossip at all. But... Something important I really want to say, and I think this is a really key piece. It's important that in church we create a safe space of vulnerability. Like, I think we really, really need to make sure in church we create a safe space of vulnerability. This is where people are receiving their healing for their emotions, their souls. We need to be careful that we are not creating a toxic atmosphere. Now, that is not saying that we don't hold people accountable to what the word says and its standards and everything. But at the same time, we need to make sure that we create a safe space for people's vulnerability, that they receive healing and um, just being built up spiritually. And, And this is for everyone. Because when people say safe space, sometimes there are connotations attached to that that are for certain groups of people Mm -hmm. and not for other groups of people. Yeah. Uh, And that's that's wrong. What do you mean by that? When you say, I mean, so there there are people who will refer to so-called safe spaces for this group of individuals who identify this way with these traits and this kind of idea. Mm -hmm. And anyone else is not allowed in that place Mm -hmm. because, you know, they're causing the hurt for that group mm-hmm. that is using that so safe space. So when you say the church should be a safe space, it doesn't mean that kind of safe space where it's only for a group of aggrieved people and it's excluding all the rest of the people who might, you know, have been part of this, the group that could cause problems. It is about everyone in the church with all of whatever their issues might be, whatever they're struggling with. It doesn't matter who they look like or where they live. 
what their economic status is. It should be for everybody, right? Exactly. That's, that's, everyone yeah. should everyone should feel that in the church is a safe space. Everyone should feel that way. Um, that is a safe space for everyone to um, to receive healing. That's my thing. Is that this a good place for them to receive healing for their souls? Because that's what really church right. is about. Is that they receive healing for their souls so that they can function and fulfill the purpose that God has designed for them to you know to do while here on the earth and everything. Um, have you seen what? Where's your question? No, I, I was just going to reiterate. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter if if the person used to be a, a mob bot like a mob captain in new york city or if it's a, a person who used to be working the farms in california like yeah. it's for everybody exactly right? so. and it come, what comes to mind is peter first peter four and eight that says above all love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins and so overall hopefully in this episode i hope our brothers and sisters just learn that overall this 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 actually was an important episode to me because it made me really think about of just the Christian love that we need to have for each other, especially in today's world. We really need to be unified. And I've mentioned it before, us believers really need to stand together um, and be unified and just have this sense of camaraderie and just have each other's back and truly love each other. You know, we're going to be spending eternity with each other, you know, is <laughs> we, we need to practice getting along with each other. And like I gave the example of the girl at work, our personalities weren't the same. But, you know, she was a little, she was a little, she was a little different, but at the same time, she was my fellow sister in Christ. And so I had to have her back and she needed my love and she needed my support because she went through some stuff at that job. And so she just needed someone to have her back and stuff. So just, have, just to have that mindset of just brother, just love amongst the brethren is just something just really important that we need to get back to. Because when I look at the book of Acts, it's totally shown that if you, you hurt one of us, you hurt all of us. And that was the mentality back then. And we need to get back to that same kind of mentality. Mm -hmm. I yeah, I think that was put quite nicely. Thank you. I appreciate it. So next week, we have a very exciting episode. Now, we've been talking about love. We've been talking all about that. And most times when people think of love, they think about dating and all that kind of stuff. And we were saving that aspect of love for last. Because as they say, save the best for last. So next week, we have a very exciting episode on that. So you're going to want to stay tuned for that. See you next time. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Paradigm Switch Podcast. We hope that you have learned something new for your everyday life. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd appreciate a rating on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure to tell your friends about the Paradigm Switch, too. For more information on past or future episodes, please follow the Paradigm Switch Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Be sure to tune in for our episode next week as we continue renewing our minds to think right side up.